This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to Jason Kavnis Experience. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. The Jason Kavnis Experience is brought to you by Kavnis HR. At Kavnis HR, we deliver HR to companies with four and fewer people. With our HR platform and providing you a, a unique, and by providing you a dedicated HR business partner. Our guest today is Ruben Chu. Ruben, are you ready to be great today? Yep. Every day is a great day, right? Yes. <laughs> Ruben is part of the Alumni Advisory Board and advisee in the Entrepreneurship Program at Northwest University. She also mentors local high school and college students. When she isn't working, she can, she can be found in the gym, going on road trips, traveling, or with family and friends. Ruben, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jason. And it's a pleasure uh, being able to have this conversation with you today after all the pandemic stuff. And yes. So me and Ruben, Ruben, good friends like two or three years. So it's going to be a fun talk. Catch up <laughs> on go times. Yes. So first, I'm going to throw you a softball question. Okay. Now, I'm pretty sure I saw this on one of your, one of your like, social media platforms. I tried to find it there. I couldn't see it. Hmm. But on there, it says, cool and... <laughs> so what does a cool auntie mean to you and is it safe to presume that you're a cool auntie but your brothers and sisters are like quit spoiling my kids like yeah. what are you doing yeah pretty much um yeah so i have my nieces you know they're i, I work from home majority of the time but uh my nieces are at home about three four times a week um and i also you know my friends is kids and everything uh they just when they see me it, it seems like it's it's playtime it's playtime and it's like okay let's go running let's go do this we you know everything and anything get their burn uh their energy out but i also <laughs> i like to give candy <laughs> candy and chocolate and hmm toys <laughs> How, how, how old are your nieces and nephews? Uh, I have two nieces. Uh, they are Ke Kiana just turned three. Uh, Kira's turning five in May. Um, and then a lot of my friends' kids, they're toddler age, maybe about two or three, um, six, four. Uh, I think the oldest I have that I have as a god baby is 12. I have a lot. So all the fun, but no responsibility. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so kind of the same story. The guy on like maybe a couple of weeks ago, uh, he's a grandfather. He was talking about like you know like he he said I forgot the best way to get along with my grandkids never say no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so. well, I say no. I say no um, a lot to my nieces. Um, I think if anything, uh, it's teaching me a lot more about patience i mean patience and everything not not my own responsibility but i think patience of seeing the lens of teaching them manners teaching them like a little bit of responsibilities uh you know when they're at the house uh you don't get a surprise unless you pick up your toys or how do you ask properly uh you know my parents my <laughs> their mama papa for sure is always a yes for everything yeah. and when they um you know, when they do come to me, there are no's to with me sometimes. But, you know, you just have to keep going. So you keep know the difference. This is guy, he's like he said, he never <laughs> says no. He says uh, you make some like chocolate cake and, you know, chocolate chip pancakes for breakfast, you know. <laughs> he said he has a rule. 
no dinner to eat all your candy. Yeah, I that that's um that is no. Well, yes, I give a lot of um candy and all that stuff, but I have to tell them like you won't get any more unless you have your dinner or your lunch okay. or like healthy stuff, right? So you're trying to you're being reasonable then. Being reasonable, and I'm like, okay, you're gonna negotiate with auntie. We gonna <laughs> negotiate this way. Teaching the business skills off the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I started also talking about you pick up your toys. I'll give you a quarter. You have enough money saved, then we can go to the store and we can buy something. So you have two nieces, right? Yes. And so, I don't know if this played into your, your your logic. Do you ever think like when you like negotiating with them and doing your stuff mm-hmm. that okay, you're training them to be future businesswomen? Yeah, yes and no, <laughs> because the older one, Kira, she 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 knows how to negotiate. I will tell you that right now. She's like, how about this one? Or how about that one? And I'm like, no. And I was like, you got to do it this way. If you do it this way, then you have it, everything. And then, yeah, she knows how to negotiate, but she's also very artsy and crafty. They're both very creative in their ways of approaching things and when they're asking for stuff. Yeah. So somewhere on your LinkedIn profile yet on their... And explain what this means to you, uh, the quote, the key is to never give up. Yeah, you don't. Um, that's a good That's a good segue. I was actually thinking about this as I was driving to your studio. Um, you know, I started off in the medical field. I was studying to become a nurse. You know, I mean, I think culturally it was the path that was understood that people would take. Uh, you know, I'm Filipino, first-generation gen, first Filipino-American. Um, and <clears throat> what's understood is that you would get into the nursing school, you would get into somewhere in the medical field or engineering, or you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. It's like pretty much understood, right? Understood, like that's, yeah. That's, that's what you do. Yeah, that's what you do, right? Um, but I'm not going to get into the, all politics on that. But the segue of that was when I did uh, start studying, going into nursing school, I failed microbiology three times. That should have been my sign. The same it for me. Um, <laughs> and I had to retake it three times. Uh, you know, I was at South Seattle at the time. I got my associates. And then I transferred into Gonzaga. Um, there, there, that's where I met a lot of people, right? You meet a lot of people when you're not in the same environment you were in. And then I was like, okay, I should have. What I should have done was pay attention to the signs and everything was like sciences and all of that weren't my thing. I kept putting that off in my life. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll take the sociology work. I like that one better. You know, um, I wanted to do that. I was paying attention to to that. I was watching The Wire. I was writing papers. How would you dissect the little things, you know? And that and all these business courses and all the psychology courses were way intriguing than these science classes to me. Yeah, maybe I was in the nurturing side of things, but when it came down to the work to get to the nursing stuff, it was not it was not my thing. And so I persevered and I was like, okay, let me figure out how I'll tell this to my parents. I'm not going to be a nurse. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and so that had happened. I told them that because all the opportunities that were coming to me were definitely in the business world. I didn't have to work for it. 
Um, a lot of the operational stuff just really gravitated towards me. Um, and, you know, I was just trying to figure out how would I persevere when people are finishing their degrees in like four or five years. It's taking me, what, seven years to finish my freaking VA. <laughs> and then I was like, finally, I told, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And I'm going to continue business. And then, yeah, it just went from there. And so first things first was like humility and humbleness is very part of the success of not giving up and be very resilient to where you are going or where you are wanting to go, where you see it going. So you bring a good point. You say never give up, but it's not like you say never give up Howard Kamala. Don't be stubborn about it, right? Yeah. Like, like, don't oh, be yeah, crazy. Because I'm stubborn. Don't, don't be crazy about it. You know, you saw that the nursing thing wasn't the path for you. Yeah. You know, so you don't mean never give up and keep on bumping your head against the wall. Like, yeah. be smart about it, you yep. know? Yep. I mean, you know, I, I think within that statement, too, is that once you you have, you are known of what you are wanting to do, um, have the humility to and the humility of it of like, okay, I, this is not for me. And it's okay. But also have the courage and thick heart and skin to pursue what you were wanting to do because there's definitely going to be a lot of rejections. I'll tell you that right now. Ruben, why do so many startup founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, when you say, lack humility and have such big egos and like, I can do everything, I know everything, and it ends up making them fail quicker? <laughs> I, you know, it's a different answer for everybody for that question, but I think... What really sets people apart from the egoness and the humility part of that is that not everyone knows everything. I mean, people have different experiences to go through what they need to go through in order to where, to get where they are today. Like, you know, I had to get through that, right, in order for me to finally like, oh, shoot, I'm going to do this. And this is what I, <clears throat> I, was, I was fortunate enough to, to land management in tech after undergraduate um, school. And I think from there, I was like, oh, I had the opportunity to meet people and all this and figuring out, I'm like, oh, this is what's happening here. Uh, this is what's happening here, but also be humble enough to ask for help when you need it and not burn out. Um, you know, I, I come from that experience. I've seen it. I've, I've felt it. Uh, I've I've, I've definitely been in it, in the weed of it, uh, before I even started this with uh, my co-founders and my business partners, um, Dre and James. I know you're probably watching here somewhere, <laughs> but um, Dre and Ahmad has been great. Um, they've, you know, uh, helped me a lot with a lot of things because I don't know everything and I don't know anything you know uh one of my former yeah one of uh my founders dre he's also a veteran and when we started talking about stuff and i was like dude this is this is where i would love to implement this and then ahmad comes in the picture i'm like dude you have yp this is what's happening we're the i think the common thing that we all have is really serving with intention you serve with intention and your purpose and you know people people can see through the smoke and mirrors right the bs stuff but once you have 
your purpose and your mission and your value that you'll add onto people as well as businesses, you'll see <clears throat> what will be successful for you. And, you know, you just it's the egoness um, that will definitely fail a person that is um, trying to strive for something great. So we're going to deep dive your company in a little bit, but I want to ask you, Chris, before I forget. So, of course, there's always like the challenge that no, not enough like females and, you know, people call them tech. So the question is, is it the responsibility of tech people to go where the can like the, the females and people of color are, or is their responsibility to go where the tech people are at? That's a good question. I think <clears throat> I think from the, the clientele side of things, um, these companies that we have worked with, you know, they, they came to us. We, we'll dive deeper later on for the company stuff. But I think if you were trying to fill certain roles and certain things within your organization, why not start within your organization and promote within, right? You have the people there. You have the talent there. But it's also, I don't want to say cheaper, but I'm saying is that you would have a better experience if you had a pulse within your organization, right? Uh, because... It's it's easier to promote within rather than finding another candidate from the outside and they don't know how the culture is in your org, how it is within those walls, you know, or remotely or wherever they're working, right? It would be easier promoting within rather than having someone outside. But if there's the candidate wanting to go within the organization and really learn more about that, it's it's the responsibility of the either the recruiter or the organization at least meet people where they are. Because if you don't meet people where they are or at least have that set expectation, then how do you know if it'll be a good fit, right? Because here at Access to we work for we also work for the candidate, but we also work for the clientele. But once that happens together, like we set the expectations so they don't both parties know what's going on and what's happening. There's a transparency between both parties. Ruben, what, what do you do for fun? <laughs> the that, gym. That, that you can say out loud in the public. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, you know, I like to go on walks. I think um, walks by the water. You do a lot of nature stuff, right? Yeah, because, man, I had to learn that the hard way. If you don't take care of your mental health, your physicalness and everything, it, it really starts to boggle down on you. You feel it. Um, you know, uh, I would just say <laughs> the very toxic. I know the very toxic uh, experience that I have experienced in the past is don't drive yourself to the wall and work yourself to the ground and get burnt out, and because it really mentally messes up here, but it also messes up <clears throat> all over your body because um, you can really, really feel it. And I think once I hit that rock bottom, I took the mental health stuff very much serious. And so I don't try to be on my phone when I'm on walks. Uh, I like just being by the water and just writing. I like to write. I like poetry. That's how, <laughs> you know, I met my best friend off Zanga. I don't know. <laughs> that was like how many years ago? But her and I, we really bonded off of uh, poetry. So I like poetry. I like, Do you I write like any poems? Out. Yeah, I, I like to just write. I like to journal a lot, a lot of journaling. Um, I think that's another outlet that I like to to utilize um, in that space because when you're so busy and you're so in it as a as a co-founder, 
there's just a lot of stuff that you that keeps going, 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 ongoing. <clears throat> but it's also important to have your support system and have that boundary of when to really like, okay, unplug really quickly. At least give yourself, I don't know, a day, a few hours, and to really figure out what's going on, <laughs> and then recoup and have a, a refreshed uh, mind. Yeah. And, and you do a lot of travel too. Like I know you've been to San Diego, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. <laughs> pretty, yeah. pretty like hot, warm and hot, sunny places, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm in LA very often. Um, I have friends out there, really good friends, out there. So uh, they're very kind enough for me to just stay there with them and just work out of there because a few of them are also co like they're business owners um and they also work in the gig economy uh in graphic designing and stuff and so we just work out of either their places like their house <laughs> or we go to coffee shops or we just work by the pool usually i call it a workation because we really <laughs> literally it's like but it's like what I think that's the difference. Once you lo like really love what you do, you you take your work everywhere for you. Even though the bad conversations that you'll have, but you also learn how to turn that off emotionally. Yeah. And, and so, can you talk about how you have two co-founders, right? Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how y'all came together and how you decide like who takes care of what, like who has what lanes and how y'all communicate? Yeah. So, um, end of when was it? Twenty, I think twenty eighteen. Yeah, end of twenty eighteen. I met Dre, DeAndre James. Um, he came into one of our events or something, and he told, like, he was looking for a team at the time. Um, and then he was really was looking for a team to really get this off the ground. And then I took a, <laughs> a notebook and pen. You know, old school, I, I don't want to be on my phone and take notes. I need to write it out because it, it sticks better. And he told me what what his vision was, and I was like, yeah, this is where I'm at. This is you wanting sports, embedding sports into figuring out a community to be on a even level playing field. You're talking about that, and I was like, yeah, I went to Gonzaga. That's a D1 school, you know? Like, okay, let's see how do we how do we do this? And like, I've always been an advocate for employees, candidates, I'm like, hey, will this be a good fit for you if we were to place you? Or this is what, like the morale, keeping the morale up in the companies, right? I remember the manage the office management role, the executive assistant role that I had, all different hats in tech that I got into right after undergraduate school. I was like, we got to go on happy hour Fridays or we had like lunches like every other day or something with the executives just to, to really get to know your coworkers, and so I told him that, and he's like, "Yeah, how do we do this?" And then, yeah, we did that. Like fast forward, we did a tournament, and that was um, the basketball tournament right in the Jamal Crawford Park in Renton. I remember, I remember when you yeah. did that, yeah. And then we had, you know, opportunities surrounding the the whole court. We had a whole experience that we were doing. Uh, we had people that was donating haircuts for free. <laughs> I remember him and we had the block party, we had a backpack drive. We had, um, you know, the laborers, the techs, companies there, you know. And while they were watching a basketball tournament, we had the people that weren't playing, they were talking to recruiters, right? Recruiters of companies like, oh, what are you looking for? What are you doing this? It wasn't, it wasn't like your normal basketball league. There was, a end goal and there was an action uh, there's 
deliverable items, actionable items for the party that was involved in the tournament and also the companies that were there. And so that happened. And then COVID hit. And I was like, dang, we literally had the next year booked. Me and Dre were like, fudge. I was like, I know. How do we do it? And then we, you know, I've, and then that's when Ahmad came in because Ahmad and I, we met, we were actually connected on Twitter first, like years. And then we met for coffee and he was telling me about his community, what he has built. You know, he's the founder of YP Seattle, but now it's called uh, YP Communities. He's the founder of that. And so we all pivoted online and I was like, hey, what's going on with this? And then he was telling me companies were going to him about like, do you have a staffing arm yet? And I was like, (laughs) so we all pivoted. We're like, well, there's no there's no there's no reason why we shouldn't be together, like together as in like business wise, coalition wise, because you have this network that you have built organically and then here's access to with this niche of people trying to to play sports, but also in the laborers and unions and in tech and trying to get recruited into these companies. Why not meet people where they are? Right. And so we had that happen where Ahmad was like, shoot, OK, let's go. And so that's where the pandemic and everything. Right. So we all did all the happy hours online, everything online. We had the career room. That's where Access 2 was. Um, and then, yeah, I think to your the, to answer your question of where all of us land, our common ground is to serve the community, the underrepresented, the, you know, the, the people that don't have that shot, right? And DeAndre or Dre, I call him Dre. When I call him DeAndre, he thinks he's in... Like he gets in trouble. I was like, nah, Dre. When when I need to get his attention, I'm like, hey, then, then I'll do that. But Dre, he's definitely the event planning and like he can get like he's the the hustler. He's the go getting, like he's like, Oh, I can get these meetings. Da, 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 da. And then Ahmad, he's also that way, but he's very organized um in that sense where we have our CRM we have to set up. Like I have my organization also, like of like I have a background in executive assistant so of course the calendar management getting people together the project management and you know all this we we stay in our lanes of organizing and putting our uh, meeting in the middle because we all have our strengths right like for me I know I can get in front of people and get into rooms that they can't but once I do get them you know reeled in I have Ahmad and Dre helping me in the back end, like, hey, can you guys help me with this? Like, Ahmad also has a background in law and finance. Um, so he, you know, contracts and all this stuff, that's Ahmad. And then when it comes to, like, keeping everyone warm and, like, leads or anything, it's all of us. Well, not all of us. Usually Dre and I, we, we keep them at bay or candidates, you know, all this. So we all... We all communicate every day, actually, <laughs> like literally every day. Um, we're on Slack, we're on text messages, and we're also on the phone. I think we're on the phone 10, 15 minute check-ins by like 8.30 in the morning. So speaking of, um, yeah. So, so next question. Yeah. They say having co-founders like being married. 
is that can you confirm or deny that it's like you being married to these two different people you know what's funny i'm gonna bring the astrological point of this is because i'm a sagittarius and i am surrounded by gemini's they are both gemini's <laughs> and i would tell you this much they, they they're here sometimes <laughs> and I'm like, can you come down here? <laughs> and I need you to come down here. Tell me <laughs> where's A to Z. But I'm sometimes, I find myself going like 100 miles per hour and Ahmad has to pull me back sometimes. He's like, okay, okay, but how do you do this? How do you do that? And I'm like, okay, this is how you do this. And I was like, you're right. This is what's happening. I was like, I see the end results. Like we're all res- end results driven people but we <laughs> go our own way of trying to figure out how do we get there but sometimes we like not sometimes we always find a way back to each other and figure out one way that will make everything cohesive <laughs> so what's your process as far as like dealing with disagreement um mm. Mm. okay so I haven't really for me personally like I know it gets heated and there's pushbacks a lot on some of our ends uh we <clears throat> we try to talk it out we try not to talk over each other i'll tell you that right now and then um either that or we we were like can you give me like a few minutes or a few seconds get off camera or do something and then and then we come back and i'm like okay this is how you do <laughs> that or we'll literally we'll just give each other a few moments and then we'll either call back each other or we'll get back online and we find ways to really communicate once everything settles. I mean, it hasn't, we haven't gotten to a point where we're like wanting to choke each other. <laughs> Let's not on one. Cause I don't think that'll happen. Um, and so I think if anything, we are at that stage enough. We all trust each other. Um, but we also know that if there's a decision that needs to be made, a business decision, we all talk to each other before making the final decision. Like everyone has a say in that. So say like Dre said yes, Ahmad say yes, but I say no. Then we'll have a communication uh, talk about like why are you disagreeing or why is this, right? Like it, it's never to a point where there's people's egos involved. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. Um, they're very, they're very um, humble. Both of them are very humble and very grounded. We're all grounded in our ways where we've gone through all our, each of our experiences to, to get to where we are today. That, you know, having the ego and everything and being center of attention is, is never, is never the, the, the point or the cause or anything. Um, yeah, we all always talk to each other. <laughs> so, Nick, talk about your role as an adjunct f- faculty at, I think, is Northwest University. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> at that point, you know, I, I uh, at one point was applying for a full-time position before when I left that old organization because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next because I left that organization and then I didn't know what to do and all of these things kept closing and I was like, I don't know, is this is this even a thing? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I needed to work, right? And so at the time, I applied for a position that was full-time. And then I was like, okay, and I didn't get it. And I was like, okay. So I was, you know, 
I'm still involved uh, with the dean of the business school and the administration and everything. You know, I still talk to them here and there just to touch base and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I get an email <laughs> and it was like, hey, uh, your name has been coming up a lot through these through these meetings and stuff. And then they just invited me. You know, my first semester was this January, <laughs> January to February. Um, and then it was good. Um, and then uh, they invited me back again. Uh, this is all online, by the way, so I don't have to go there or anything. So it makes it very easier. But what's cool is that I really get to teach from experience, even though there are textbooks from there. Because the first, the first course that they gave me was undergraduate business school was um, the Dynamics Organizational Leadership. So that was one. And then once I got the evaluation back, uh, they're like, hey, we're going to talk to the dean and we want you to come back and teach again. And then I did get that email again saying like, hi, uh, so based on your remarks and everything from all your students and, you know, the faculty here, they want you to teach this course again, which starts on 4th of July till August 21st. <laughs> um, and it, this time it's the entrepreneurial planning, uh, business planning. So I'm like, okay. The first one was the, the culture of uh, organizational health. This one that I will be teaching in July is really, seriously, like from, from ground up of what I'm building with Dre and Ahmad. So I'm like, shoot, I really get to teach from <laughs> what I'm doing, like literally now. So it's pretty cool. So when you're teaching, do you are you channeling your cool anti-rubelin or the stern <laughs> teacher rubelin? Which one are you using? <laughs> I, uh, I, both. Uh, you know, because I, you know, this is all online. So I... When I'm teaching and I'm recording myself, I try to be serious. I'm not a serious person. Like, people think I'm serious, but I'm like, no, I only be serious no, when not, I need yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. Yeah. I, I, can, I can agree with that. Yeah. You're, yeah. Fun per, you're a fun person. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm not serious, literally. I'm like, if I, if I have a straight face, it's because I'm thinking of stuff. But now, now are these like freshmen and sophomores? Um, they are this one that's coming is actually going to be sophomore and juniors yeah sophomore and junior the first one was freshman and sophomore now can you do this this might you I'm, the answer might be no because of ethics can mm -hmm. i give you teaching a class you're like man that person is a superstar maybe try to recruit them to come work for me <laughs> um you know i think about it all the time and i'm like but i don't say it because yeah, you know i might I, yeah i might get in trouble if like i try to recruit them so you gotta and, wait till they graduate yeah <laughs> uh, pretty much you know i think that's that's the <laughs> the un, i think uh the unhidden rule of like i i can't poach students mm. to work for me you know unless unless it may be an internship then i would have to go through the university yeah. and their pipeline and figure out what sounds like you have my fun doing it though i am i am i i do have fun with it i you know i was saying once everything slows down i don't know if it will but once everything slows down i would like to probably and be full-time professor all, all the students are here in their area they're across the nation because it's across online the okay um i think the most furthest student i've had Indiana and then New York. Okay. Yeah. So. And so let's go back to a thing called Young Professionals of Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I can't remember the last. Time. I think Kara Winrich is part of that too. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I haven't seen her for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with her very heavily too. Okay. Um, 
Yes. So the hot seat is the other one that I also have. Right. And then um, that's with YP Communities. Um, Kara's the nonprofit consultant that Mm. we all work with and our teammate and volunteer opportunities. We work uh, we work with Kara a lot. So. And so when you all say young professors like. 21 below, 24 <laughs> below, or this is a, just a name I put out there. It's just a, no, yeah, it's just a name of out there. Okay. So that's why it used to be Young Professional of Seattle, but uh, now it's YP Communities because okay. we're, we're, we're pretty much expanding, right? We're, we're here, we're based in Seattle. However, we're also in San Francisco um, trying to figure out ways to get into LA because I have my friends out there mm. and figure out that, but we're also in Austin and Denver. Okay. So, so yeah, YP communities is. So have is, you have no, you traveled to Denver under the YP? No. Dime yet? No, 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 <laughs> no. But I have a cousin there. She keeps telling me to visit. I'm like, not when it's snowing. I was like, do you see me going to places where it's snowing? No. <laughs> yeah, but um, actually in Austin, we're going first time with access too. We're going to Afrotech. Okay. Yeah, so we'll be there for five days in November. Ooh, so that's in November. Yeah. Okay, so you can have like a booth there or uh we're going to just go for the experience and see so you, check you, it you, out you, you do like what's called guerrilla marketing <laughs> you see you see show up yeah. And everyone. <laughs> yeah i mean you know uh yeah we'll see how it goes like i think that was one of the the visions that we had when we have pivoted a lot more in the recruiting space is that you know it's yeah the people of color right there you have your blacks you have your uh asian americans you have your people of color that's huge um focusing on that that's a big thing we're now with with companies but like i think it's an experience that we should experience i think is because you're trying to look for people right and you have them all in one roof like how are you building these relationships right yeah you, so, you, you're gonna love austin really yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited because there's a lot of startups there i think is oh, yeah. What, so uh, yeah startup city and you know i think capital factory south by southwest all yeah, the stuff there there's all in there so I'm, I'm excited for that dre and i are going so we're good so yeah so, so next let's talk about hiring some so it's like the, we'll, we'll break it down a hire manager versus recruiter versus hire manager versus candidate versus recruiter right mm-hmm. you know one thing is so like remember what the economy is, is it's hard to get hired, right? Mm-hmm. It's like everyone like kind of blames everyone else. Like, like <laughs> the like the candidate gets blamed. You're not telling your resume. Yeah. Recruiter gets blamed. Oh, you're not entering everyone, right? Yeah. One person I don't think it's blaming enough is the hiring manager, right? Mm-hmm. It's my opinion. Like they'll like you know change the job script over and over again, or they're not responsible, right? Can you talk about the, some of the responsibilities and accountabilities on all three parts to make the job search better? Yeah, uh, that I think that's a good, that's a great question actually because my position where I'm at right now, I I've been able to retain doing the retaining of talent or finding sourcing whatever you want to call it, sourcing and then you're recruiting right and you're working also with the clientele and it's like, okay, what are you looking for for candidates right? <clears throat> And then you're working with the hiring manager. I'm working with the hiring manager, like showing them profiles. I'm like, here, here's and, this one. So what do you do when they say, I want to hire a clone of Tom? I'm like, you can't clone a person <laughs> unless we're, I mean, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like people tell me that they're like, how do we clone you? I was like, you can't clone me. There's only one of me and there's one of Jason only. You can't clone another human being. But what you can do is have, you know, <laughs> you have a training like you have your obviously your book of training and everything but 
how a person approaches a problem or how they're trying to find people is their own way. Like I might do it differently. You might do it differently. Right. And so <clears throat> how that works is that you kind of have to find a common medium of like, okay, well, what are your non-negotiables as a clientele when you're looking for these people, when we do present you this, these people, when I say we recruiters, like our recruiting team, if we find these people, then is this it? Like, what are your soft skills? Like, like what is, what are you looking for that's not on your resume? And how do you handle it when the hiring manager changes the mind like every 24 hours? Like, I, I want this. No, I need this. And I want this right. <laughs> um, I, I definitely put a hard stop on that. I'm like, hey, this is what's happening. This is, this is what I have. And if this is what you're wanting to change, then please tell us ahead of time because now we're you you're utilizing time and resources that are sacred. <laughs> so how do we prevent that from happening? That's when we have the discovery call where I have usually my whole team with me on that call just so they know what the expectations are from the company and the clientele, what they're looking for. And then they have their own notes when they are sourcing people. And when we are talking to candidates that are coming in our pipeline and when we source these people and you know, once we have X, Y, and Z amount of people, then we can show them here and like, oh, now we can see this is what I liked about this candidate. This is what I like about this candidate. This is what I'm looking for here. It's kind of like a trial and error because a great example is, I'm not going to say the company or anything. It's it's a executive search that we've been uh, working on and <clears throat> it was their first time utilizing an agency um, and how they didn't know what it was first of like what trying we were trying to figure out what was was needed for this candidate they are trying to find and i think have that trial and error having the trial and error um helped a little bit refine our search for them and it it i think the second time around has helped a lot and so i get on calls weekly with our clientele like our whole team you know whoever we're working with we at least 15 20 minutes um every week you know uh, whether they are a nonprofit, whether they are a huge company um we we um do our best to be in touch with them or continue to have a little pulse in their um in their uh weekly check-ins with us so so you might disagree <clears throat> with me on this but i'm pretty sure you're not why do so many people say they're a hiring expert, right? Like, are you really like, are you really a hiring expert? Like, everyone you hire, like, went on to have a great career at your company, right? This is drives me bonkers when people say that. Yeah, like, I, I think everyone has their expertise on stuff, but I don't, like, if unless you are really down to the T of, oh, this is what I've experienced, this is what I have certification on, I don't think, you know, like, everyone has their, their way of expertise, I think. That's the other thing, right? Like, people are knowing specific topics specific professions yeah sure if you've done the experience enough and you've done it then okay then sure i don't know like, that's for all for you like i i don't think it's a it's a bad thing that people are very um great at what their profession is or what they they think that they would do right so i don't know i have no opinion on that so we're willing what do you consistently see candidates doing wrong in the job search? Um, <clears throat> I I would say 
a lot of it has to do with, I don't want to say the resume because everyone's resumes can always be improved. But I think the the preparation when you're actually having a conversation, uh, you can tell, I can tell if you have been prepped for an interview or if you kind of came in to, to just come wait, they're just winging it so to yeah, speak yeah you're winging it to as to speak um and so i've i've spoke to a lot of candidates that i'm like okay like this is you can either figure out what you're wanting to do and it's okay if you don't have that specific road map you know to 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 what you're looking for it's okay but <clears throat> i would say when you are going to be talking with um either a talent acquisition or recruiter before the hiring manager is to prepare yourself and research and ask questions that may may have an answer from the recruiter that or agency, but at least for the company that you are applying for. So talk about this. So I think this is a big disconnect. So like, you know, Jason Cabinets gets laid off or fired with the case should be. Like, I need a job right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. right now, right now, I got bills to pay, mortgages, or whatever. Yeah. But companies hiring, like, okay, you know, someone just left a position. They're not really that much of a here to hire anyone, right? Fast, right? Okay, you want to go through the go the process. Yep. They'll probably make two or three people in the company, like, do extra duties, right? And so I think it's always a disconnect. Is there a way to fix that disconnect, or just this is the way it's going to be, you think? I think when you're saying, like, you're looking for a position and then you're trying to get to the hiring manager, is that what you're. Yeah, like, like I need a job right now. But the company, they have opposition. They're gonna like take their time, right? They're gonna mm-hmm. go through the process. They're gonna take applications for a week, for a month, do interviews for a month, do phone screens for a month, right? Yeah. And, and the process may be three or four months. Yeah. But my process, like, I need something like in two weeks. Yeah, I yeah, I think that's a that's a good, it's a good question, and I think depending on the company, right? I, this is what I've I'm gonna speak from my experience because I was at one point I was like, oh shoot, I need something. For my paying bills, like, you know, I, I, like, I, 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 I gotta start collecting cans or selling plasma yeah, pretty soon, right? Yeah, yeah, and I or really working McDonald's or something. Exactly, and I'm, you know, I have no problem going that route if I needed to. But I think um, I, you, you kind of have to dive into your own your your network, like people who you know, you know, like I know you want this, this, and this right away, results right away. But kind of, I know that there will be a process, and it's kind of sad to say this is that. It comes down to the people, not sad to say this, but it comes down to the people who you know within where you're trying to go, right? I mean, yeah, it helped me a little bit having the MBA, but at the end of the day, what has helped me, I'm speaking from my experience, is that the people that I know that will be able to vouch for me or let me get in, but that wasn't always the case. Yes, I knew people within that organization and I had my resume there. I had all the experience, but it comes down to the hiring manager of wanting you to be on their team or not wanting you to be on their team. Yeah, from first experience, like a few years ago, I was an HR director at a local, at like a local college. Yeah. For example, like we would have all these positions open. We easily get one, 200 resumes per position, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, you don't have time. When you read through them, you can't think of it like you want to, right? Because and one time we talk about too, everyone has biases, right? Yeah. Like me being a veteran, someone who was a veteran, you know, I, I gave him a you know, little boost, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what would always happen with someone new call me, right? Hey, Jason, a uh, friend of mine applied. Can you look for it? Okay, let me look for it. Now, I'm not saying like if, if that position needs a master degree, this person had a high school diploma that you know, I know I can do from right. Yeah. But it's kind of close. If someone calls you 
you're going to kind of give an extra look, right? Yeah. And, I, and, and, and people don't realize that. Another thing I, to, I think we mentioned this a little bit before, like resumes. You get 25 different resumes. You get, to 25 people, you get 25 different opinions, right? Yeah. Only opinion that matters is the hiring manager. Yeah. Only way to know what a hiring manager wants is the network, right? Yep. Yeah, that in itself. But, you know, I think when we're we're screening for people is like you you have them tell you that your their story of like, yeah, like I said, I mentioned this. I'm like, yeah, there's a resume, but what's not on your resume? I'm interested in what's not on your resume because I can read that. That's cool. But how did you get here? And what made you loop in to the next one? And why? Well, you know, how did you get here then here? And where's this gap here and what it is, you know, because that's I think what's missing is that, yeah, we're all busy. And that's why agencies exist. Right. Is because you have people screening people for your positions and we weed out what is is exactly a person outside of their resume. Right. You see what's happening with them getting to this position. And, you know, sometimes it's not about the degrees, to be quite frank with you. Uh, you know, that's that's our own that's our own biases, yeah. you know, because sometimes a person may have all the credentials and all the accolades, but they're not even fully there. And I'm like, where's your common sense, bro? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, I see it, you know, like I, I definitely see it. And you can see who gets handed things. And when it's handed to them rather than a person working for something, they value it very differently. And that's what I've seen that has come in my plate, right? It's not that you're always on survivor mode, but I'm saying it's different. A person that is getting things handed to them when a person is working for something. It's a different feeling, I think. It is. Yeah. Talk, talk about this, you know, finding a job is not easy. You know, you look for a job, you can probably hear no like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 more times. Yeah. What advice do you have on candidates that you know, keep like be, to be mentally tough, like keeping the game, so to speak. And like, you might hear no 10 times, the 11 time might be a yes. What's your advice on that? Yeah. I mean, it just comes back to the beginning of where you were like, never give up. <laughs> you know, I mean, it takes resiliency and uh, really a tough mentality. It, it will bog, it'll boggle you. I'll tell you that right now. It's searching for a job is like a full-time job in itself and it's like it will wear on you there will be a lot of no's but it really comes down to how do you take those no's and be able to shift your 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 gears of like shoot when I'm discouraged I can't find this there's always hope right there's always hope and there's always a perspective of yes you will find something because you are needed somewhere and adding value to an organization or a co like just anywhere you go, I think is, is a big thing. Right. Um, my advice to that is really, you really, really just got to keep going and just be, have faith. I think that's a big thing is like, believe in something, if not at least yourself. So I think you bring a good point. I think a lot of candidates who look for a job, they put like the base of the resumes but I think a lot of them fail to articulate or show how they're going to bring value to the company. Can you talk mm -hmm. about how they can do a better job of showing the value they're going to bring? Yeah. So I, I think there was a job description like, OK, there's a job description you see. What is their perfect example that you have experienced personally and that you can bring it to the table when you are talking to someone from the company, whether they are the hiring manager, whether they are the 
the recruiter, the, the coordinator, find something that will make you stand out from everybody else trying to get their attention or trying to look at their resume. Because um, I think that in itself is like, hey, you know, stand out, but also give the value out of like, oh, this is what I can do. This is what I've done. And this is what is said within your job description. You know, I think having tangible, tangible things and experience will help that because that's that's helped me just even talk, having a conversation. Right. So let's suppose someone accepts a job, right? Mm -hmm. The interview is great. It's, the company seems great. Everything's great. But within two weeks, they're like, man, they <laughs> lied to me. This company is not, not what they said it was going to be. Yeah. I'm not doing the job I should be doing. I need to leave. When should a, someone leave a job? Like, is it six months, a year, two weeks, as soon as possible? I mean, if you are in a position in that sense, because I've definitely been there before, um, you, I think, really figure out a way to find value within that experience. I mean, you can continue to passively look for experience, right, or opportunities, because there's endless opportunities. You really just have to really look at it, right? But I think, if anything, it's um, finding the experience within that moment or that organization is like, yeah, it's going to be tough, but if you have to make do with it, unless they really disrespect you in that sense, then I'd say leave. But if there's a way you can find value in that experiment or experience that you're in there within that organization, or at least find one person <laughs> that you can work with, I, I'd say, I call it networking. Like you, you network with people at least or finding value in that. I'd say you're a win in that situation is because, yeah, it might be a bad environment and you have a bad manager that sucks i know I, it really does sucks but i would say try and stick it out as much as you can because there's going to be always people that will be difficult to work with and how do you work around that you know and giving headache is that finding ways to really do your job but also finding other people within the organization that you can lean on i would say yeah. yeah, one thing I want to add, I'm, I'm sure Ruben will agree with me. All the stuff we're saying, you know, everyone's economic situation is different, right? Yeah. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So we're just like speaking in general, broad terms. So mm -hmm. we don't know your economic situation. You might have to get a job at McDonald's. You might yeah. do what you got to do. But in, we're just talking about general terms right now. Yeah, yeah, in general terms. Like, yeah, like if you can stick with it, stick with it. I mean, if not, then, you know, find something else that will fit better for you. I had a friend that just talked to me and was like, yeah, I don't like I had this really bad experience. And I was like, OK. And then later on the next day, she got let go. So, I mean, like you said, it, everyone has their different um, situations. Everyone's somewhere else in their own journey. So. So we're going back to you for a minute. Mm. Um, <laughs> I found this somewhere about you, too. I can't remember what test you took, but it, it broke you like your, the five things you do well. The first one is, so the strategy, includer, input, positive, and arranger. Oh, yeah. What is that? The uh... some, it was, I think it was a LinkedIn program, some kind of, I forgot what it was. Like, is it something your strength, annex, strength annex or strength something? Yeah, strength finder. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of, some kind of test you took or? Yeah, I remember it was, uh, was my first, yeah, it was my first, <laughs> my first tech job is that they had me take that 
uh, test because they wanted to see where I was at. It was my my manager at the time. Um, well, talk about how strategy is one of your strengths. Uh, you know, when I say strategies, like for me, I'm a huge person that can see results. And like, if there's results there and I see it, you have to think outside the box of how you're going to make it work that way. If I see results, I reverse engineer a lot of my things and then strategize around it. And then I don't know everything. I'm not good at math either. So I find people that are great at something that are more stronger in that sense that, you know, in general, right? I'm talking about in general, is that <clears throat> you can strategize with the results. Like I like I said, I'm results-driven, and I see it, and I'm like, how are you going to make this happen? Is that I find people that will be able to help me bring these results in, right? And that also goes into the including, <laughs> includer, right? I think hand-in-hand hand it works is that, I like to collaborate with a lot, like with people a lot. I, I like to do things alone, but I also like to have people's input and perspective because different lenses, different perspective gives different results. So when you talk strategy, like how long term is that? Like two months out, three months out, 25,000 years out? <laughs> I'd say probably for the year. I would yeah. say a year, right? Okay. Right. I think right now there's a huge one of where we're going with access to. Yeah. So I think it's a big one that we're. And you're talking about, how about the input, input one? Input. Yeah. So for me, like we have a lot of team meetings with, um, with different, with our, our whole team team but also other like consultants so we give our own for me i like to give input of like oh what about this little little drops here and there i like to mainly listen because i like to figure out what they do bring to the table but then after that it's like okay so this is what you're saying you reiterate it in a way where you 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 uh, figure out how they're thinking and how are we working together kind of thing. Um, that in itself is very valuable to me is because people have great ideas. They just need someone to actually listen to them. And, and then somebody actually how many people say an idea? Was, was I say, I know what you said, but what I heard is different, right? Can, yep, we, like, can exactly we make sure it. the same thing that I'm on the same page? Because yeah. I, I don't think I'm hearing what you actually said. Yeah, and so I think that, that that's what... I'm learning actually from my teammates, Ahmad and Dre, is because Dre says something and then Ahmad is, you know, slow, he slows both of us down. He's like, so let me get this straight. And then he reiterates it again. And then it's like, oh, yes, that's exactly what we're trying to do. So that's the good, that's the other way we all work very well together is that we're all visionaries, but we also know when we have to go back down to earth kind of thing. So, right. so, so next one, and this is definitely one of your students, positivity, right? <laughs> you like, have yeah. to. Yeah. I think you really, really have to, especially where we are now, right? Like, I think there's always something to be grateful for. I think there's always something great to look at, even though there might be things that are happening that are bad. And I just got the news this morning. One of my, yeah, one of my old coworkers um, and friend. She passed away from a seizure. So mm, sorry to hear that. No, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I'm just like, wait, what? Is that a joke? And yeah, I that in itself, uh, I'm still processing. But I'm like, okay, well, I have this opportunity that I can have a conversation with Jason, and have uh, you know people listen in to like 
where my head's at and where sometimes people do go through things. You just really have to be kind. Really, yeah. really be kind to people because they, people are going through it. And you never know sometimes. what they're going you through. You just don't know, right? So people... People post stuff on social media all the time. The, what do you call it? I call them the Twitter cowards. <laughs> Twitter cowards, YouTube cowards. Whatever you'd like to, you know, people post all these things all the time. But And, and, and they're always anonymous. Yes, that. But you just never know what someone is really going through. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll say one thing about positivity. If you're doing a Rublin and sees everybody has like a stare face or mad at you, you've really messed up, right? <laughs> like, no, it really you, takes you, a lot you, for me done, to get him. If, she, if she's like mad at you, or like a stare face yelling at you, I don't know, you, you've done something really bad, right? Because I've never seen another level, right? Yeah, I. it takes a lot for me to get to even like upset. I will, like, I'll tell you once, I'll call, I'll tell you twice. You don't get it the third time. I will throw it back in your face and be like, Hey, this is what I don't know what you want me to do or say, but this is how it really is. So, I mean, I'm very direct, but I'm also trying to work on my delivery mm. of being direct because words do affect people. I, I can see that. And so I, I'm feeling, hearing you say you're trying to learn how to tell people you suck without telling them they suck. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that there's a way to deliver things yeah, in, in a way where people will actually receive it, not getting hurt or taking it personally then that's i don't know that's all on you when i'm trying to say like don't like i'm trying to give you feedback yeah so so last one is a ranger to me it seemed like a ranger and include is that kind of the same thing or is that different i would say so uh ranging wise like i always know how to pe bring people together that i would say that's how i would say like oh you're arranging this meeting i can arrange this for you like you're like pretty much a liaison to things. <laughs> I I find myself in those positions, yeah, a lot. So next, talk about your experience of being a first generation immigrant. Like, how's that affected your your lifestyle, your your goals of life? Yeah. Does it? It's like like most people who are immigrants have more drive, more focus, right? Because I know there's been a couple of VCs in the Bay Area. They'll probably talk about they they prefer to invest in immigrant first. Uh, First-generation immigrants, yeah, because the drive they have versus like third-generation Americans, right? Can you yeah. talk with some about that? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So I think for me, <clears throat> I'm going to speak on my behalf because uh, everyone's different. But for for myself, uh, I, you know, I'm a Seattle native, uh, but I understand the Filipino dialects. It's my parents. I grew up in a household where my parents spoke the language a lot to my brother and I, um, and it really is. I've seen growing up my parents uh, working two jobs. Both of them were working two jobs uh, just to, you know, to make sure that my brother and I have a comfortable, comfortable living situation. And, you know, they came from the Philippines, so it's different than what they have here, right? And I think growing up in that sense, I'm like, okay, yeah, to make ends meet, not to work as hard, they embedded the education part of it because they didn't have that opportunity. They wanted to give that opportunity to my brother and I. And so I was like, okay, cool. And by the time I got to, to college, right, I, I was like, oh, man. Like, I've always liked talking to people and meeting people and building relationships with people. And so I was like, oh, marketing is fun, too. And I, you know, I got – that was my first – that was my first glimpse of business was in the student store, West Seattle High School, Mr. Schooneman, which is my marketing teacher. Um, I was able to 
be in charge of all of the operations of everything in our student store in high school. So when it came down to products, ordering products and the scheduling and making sure people were paying on time and all this, I was in charge of that. I was like, oh, I could do this. This is cool. This is actually for real, for real. You know, um, and I think what that said is I was like, shoot, what was it? Like, how can we make this work as like, you know, minus the part that I don't want to work for anybody. That was one, that was a piece of it. But I think I also had early on a mentor that helped me, um, Brian Frenata. Uh, he helped me, he has his own businesses and stuff like that in production. And he helped me through that, like wavering stuff and, uh, you know, clearing stuff out and everything. Um, he helped me with the business side of things. And I think having the resiliency um, and the mindset and the never give up mentality, you know, um, is, is a big thing. I think you just, you either have it or you don't. That is the short answer to it. You know, can you talk some about maybe some of the disadvantages of being an immigrant? Like, like, you know, maybe like a racism you had to go through or like the different problems like that you had to go through. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. So a lot of the times where I, um, did not, you know, I, I like to be in sweats. I don't like to, you know, I'm, I'm like very casual, very simple. Back to the gym, right? Yeah. Very, very simple. You know, I'll like, I'll dress up here and there, but I'm very simple. Right. You, you go into places that expect you to dress a certain way or be a certain way, or you have X, Y, and Z designer stuff. I, none of that. Like, for me, I I was talking to someone. If he was a banker, it was at a bank. I will tell. I won't say the bank, but it was at a bank. And then it was one of the big corporation banks. And I came in with sweats, and I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm. You're looking for a credit card that will help you, obviously build your credit and everything. And they were shying me to the secure one when I knew I had X, Y, and Z. And I've done my research. You do your re- I always do research before you doing You knew anything. your credit score or all that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've already done that, and I've done this. And I was like, why are you pointing me here when I can be going here and I need X, Y, and Z of this? And so I was like, yeah, that in itself, I was like, may I speak to your manager at that point? Because I kept going here when I was wanting to go here when I knew I had the opportunity to go here. And so I think that in itself is, is huge, um, is the way it's really sad. The way you are dressed is how you get judged sometimes, you know, and sometimes you have to play the part and have to dress up. I'm like, okay, cool. And then, you know, I just wanted to see if it would be different if I went to that same bank, that same bank, but I was dressed up, more dressed up and fixed up same person also approached me but in a different light because I was dressed up in a certain way that he or she was uh, used to and that in itself is their own bias so yeah yeah so next why should anyone care about diversity Mm, that's a good one (laughs) like I mean what's the big deal about why should anyone care or maybe a hiring manager regular person in the street yeah why should anyone care about diversity well, I think, you know, if you have a team that is that has different experiences and different backgrounds, I think that in itself will make it unique, right? That will, it gives a different 
outlook of where you're trying to go, where you're trying to go with your company or your vision of the whole organization. I think it's different to, I think it's, it's great to have different thinking. Your mindset is different than mine. Your thinking is different and how you are wanting to solve this problem is different than how I would like to see it. Like, I think perspective is huge, but I also think that, you know, you don't want an organization full of, I'm, not, I'm just going to say, like, you know, you have your white people. Like, I'm like, now it comes down to specific events, you know, that we've seen on, in the news and everything. Like, now they're seeing the value add of people of color of, like, hey, these people are as are as qualified as you are. Like, why won't you give these people a chance? Is it because they, you don't know them, right? And it comes down to factoring the build of the relationship building part of it is like how are you going to get to know a person in your organization if you're not giving the time and day or willingness to 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 give them a chance i think that's a big thing is that not even now that the whole diversity buzzword thing is going around and thing it's a big thing it's a, it's always been a huge huge thing is just it has been blanketed up you know in the in i think i would say in the boys and girls club of like certain ivy league schools certain organizations you know uh, but i think it's important to have a diverse staff not just because you're a diverse asian staff but i think having different experiences different walks of life and how people think is a very powerful uh, result is how I see it. Do you think most people like like get understand diversity? What I mean is like, I think there's a lot of organizations out there. Feel free to disagree. Like a yeah. lot of people out there, like we're diverse, we're diverse, but in reality they're like pro their demographic, right? Yeah. They're pro Asian, they're pro Black, they're you know pro white male, they're pro Latinx, whatever whatever you want to use. They're pro that. So that's a rather. But if you're pro that, are you really diverse? Are you really for diversity? Yeah, and I think that it doesn't just stop in the the race the race card i think it really comes down now to the equity piece of it it's like are you paying your people the right amount that they should be being paid so say there's you know it comes down to the gap gap uh, wages of a woman and a man being in the same company might be a different different um job title but they're essentially doing the same thing was like how are how is that diverse in that? How is how are you as an organization giving the equity piece to to both par- parties? Right? I'm like, okay, yeah, you might have this, and I might have this, but at the end of the day, how come you're paying him more than me? You know, I think that's also part of the diversity conversation that people should have in their organization is because even though you have percentage wise of people in your organization that are diverse, that like you're, you're doing diverse hires, but are you actually giving them the specific amount that they are owed, right? Like, you know, sometimes people aren't even getting paid what they should be getting paid for what they are doing in the organization. Yeah, and I think most stats show that the more diverse your company is, the organization, the more, like, everything gets better, like, profit gets better, or I guess better, like, stats prove over and over again, like, the business case. For being diverse, yeah, I think so. I've seen that, and I've seen that happen uh, firsthand. I think with friends that have their own companies, and I'm like, oh, you just didn't hire 
X, Y, and Z race, but you also hired from here and you hired from here, but you also seen the productivity go up twice as high. And the bottom line comes back even more so different, like more so, more so, more on your ROI, I would say. Yeah. So the pay gap, are you, and, and don't answer if you don't want, don't want to, but are you seeing like companies are actually like purposely screwing people over by paying them differently? Are they making honest mistakes or is it they don't know what they don't know? I've seen a little bit of everything, um, but I also, as an agency, right, we, we advocate for candidates a lot because I'm like, hey, why wouldn't you pay this person's like work of like what they're worth of their, ex- not even their experience, but also their, what they're bringing you, right? Alone in itself, I've seen, I'd say a friend of mine, <laughs> he's an engineer, but he was also doing five different people's jobs. And so, you know, he was doing everything else and he came back to management. He's like, this is what I've been doing. You know, I'm getting only paid this, but this is what the market value is research. I mean, you do your research, right? Do your research and this is what's happening and you present it in a way where you're not attacking. <laughs> you know, those. I mean, there's ways you can do it, right? And I think um, with that said, it's 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 there's a fine line between um, making sure you're paying equally this person for what they are doing within your organization rather than just getting free labor. So have you seen this? I, I know this is out there, articles out there, stats, stats show that, um, for example, I just mean, me and you go get a job together, right? Yeah. Do the same thing. We'll say we're doing social media marketing management, right? Get the same, pay the same job, whatever. They both offer $60,000. Stats show that you're going to say, thank you very much. Stats show, I'm going to go say, hey, I'm worth more than that. I get raised to seventy thousand, mm-hmm. and so I'm seventy thousand. You're sixty thousand because you didn't ask. You didn't you negotiate, and then the next year we book a ten percent raise, so it keeps yeah. on getting worse and worse. Yeah. And follow on, I see stats will show that you know, I'm Jason. Hey, hey, boss, I can't work at a time for six months. I need, a, I need a raise. Yeah. They might say yes, and well, you're going to be like, you might have closed a deal that raised like increase in revenue like twenty million dollars. Yeah. Oh, I just did my job. Are you seeing that out there? Like the stats are showing that, or is that uh, like? Um, I've definitely seen that. <laughs> I've seen it. And it's like, why not? Why wouldn't you ask for that specific, you know, negotiation? I think now what I know now, then if I knew what I knew now from before, I definitely would have asked for, for my, I mean, the worst case scenario is that they would say no. Yeah, I, And I've seen arguments for people who say, well, you know, quote unquote, train females up, like don't ask. People put that, well, no, they shouldn't have to ask mm-hmm. the managers that I don't give to them. Yeah. I know one company, a few of them are like, they don't even negotiate, right? There's like, this is your office, fair market value. Like, we hired a social media manager in Seattle for this size company. This is a range. Yeah. No negotiation, right? Yeah. I've seen that too. And I'm like, okay, well, then I don't know if you're, <laughs> if we're the right fit at that point, right? Because if there's no room for growth, I think some people, value their personal growth and their professional growth heavily as much as the dollar amount, right? And then if that's the case, then I think some people, they find places that will value them more for what they are doing. Because I think productivity goes up. This is what I've seen. Productivity goes up once you're, you do appreciate the people that you work with and that are doing their due diligence and their own job because sometimes it goes a long way. I think saying you appreciate the people that are working with you because 
you know, why not? I, who wouldn't hurt from that? Like, who wouldn't, like, just really feel great about doing a good job within the organization? So, you know, diversity and tech has been a big thing for a long time, right? Mm. But from your point of view, is it getting any better? Because it like, seems like it's just the same, like nothing gets better. Like people talk to talk. What's it called? The performance, performance, performative measures. You know, they talk the game. They t- you know, talk to talk, don't walk to walk. Yeah. Does it, from your point of view, is like anything getting better? I would see. I, I think there are, there's a lot of work to do. I'll tell you that right now. Like it's little by little, but there's definitely a lot of work to do in that sense, right? Um, because it really does start with your leadership team of wanting a change, right? It trickles down. It really starts from here. Then it also really goes down to boots on the ground. Because if you're up here, you don't really see what's going down here. Then how would you know, right? Unless you up top have these conversations with your hiring managers that are hiring people. Like, how can you get these people, like these types of, not these types of people. That's the wrong word. How, how do you get <laughs> how do you get people in the door if it's a different experience from here, but it's also a different experience in perspective when you're up here? Also, too, like you know, all these companies, big companies, small companies, they're hiring like you no know, diversity, including officer, DI officer. What are you going to use, right? But like, if you want to make a difference, why are they working for anyone else except the CEO, right? Yeah. Like if you're if you're a diversity person is working for the CFO or for HR. Uh, you know, whatever, like, you know, what message does that send, right? Unless they're working at working for CEO, I don't know if that sends the right message to the company. Yeah, I think it really comes down to wanting to change, right? The organization, like sometimes people or organizations don't want to change because they've seen it in one way for so long. But sometimes that way of thinking and that way of per, like documentation and procedures and everything is way different than what's happening in the world today and what that said is that sometimes you have to adapt you have to keep going with the the ebbs and the flows otherwise you're gonna just be left behind right and it's like sometimes the old school way is not the best way right because you either you either swim and swim or sink or swim or you you adapt in ways of what's happening in technology in the technology world and people how they are they're learning because Dre, Ahmad, and I talk about this all the time. People are learning in different ways. We're, we're not learning how you or myself, how we were learning back then. That was like, no, 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 no. You go one to ten. Nowadays, how are you finding people? You're finding them in networks. You know, you're finding people like in pods. I would say in pods, right? <laughs> That's a good, like, good analogy. You, you know what I'm saying? You're finding them in pods of like people playing video games. You, how I'm, <laughs> this is, a, I'm going to go back to how I have met so many people in different times of my life is AOL chat. I found a really good friend of mine who now used to work for Sony, graphic designer for Sony and all the video games. But he and I started off at the chat room. That's how he and I have met. And we became really good friends. And then you have people that are in these chat rooms that are playing video games. They're talking to other people wherever in the dang world where they are. But, I mean, I think that's how people learn is that they can find people from all over the dang world but they learn differently they'll learn something from them that may not even be 
here in the United States, you know what I mean? It's like it's different. Like the learning process and learning curve now is, I think, different, I'd say. Can a company ever be 100% diverse? Or is that an unreachable goal? <laughs> uh, it depends on how you are defining in the organization of this diverse, right? I would say, yeah, you 100% of pers- an organization can have different uh, races in within their organization, but it also comes down to the leadership. It starts with the leadership, I think, is that you're wanting people of color in your organization is that then pay the people that that are the, the person of color that will be the duty, right? Like a lot of people come, they see me, uh, myself, and Ahmad, they're like, whoa, here's an agency that is really doing the talk. And it's like, yeah. Is because you see me, a female, a woman of color. I'm Filipino, first gen. I have two black co-founders with me. I was like, yeah, of course you're gonna have, you know, you you're gonna have to start here and then foundationally lay the ground, but also hire intentionally of like what you were looking for, and it may not have. I may not even have the same background as you are in your walk of life. Say, you know, a person may not even have a degree, but that person may have much more street smarts than another person that may have a degree and have little bit of street smarts, right? I think there's there's the balance of it. And I think a company can reach that way if they're willing to change certain processes, I'd say. Let's talk about this. So instead of staying staying, staying, staying the typical 20 20 white guys, let's change the 20, suppose they come to 20 white females, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And like, you know, oh man, we have 20 white females. We've messed up. We have no diverse people. We said us earlier. What would you advise to them to start doing diverse hiring and bring people on board? Because one thing people realize, like, you have 20 white females. How are you going to get, you know, like a person of color come work for you, right? Or, or a Hispanic female, like, because yeah. the, the culture is already there, right? So how, yeah. do, how do you advise to them? They, they messed up. They didn't do it intentionally. Just, you know, they hired their friends, hired people they knew. They're at 20 people. And now they're going to push back from investors, whatever, your company's not diverse. What's your advice to them, like, you know, get back on board and do the diverse thing, so to speak? Yeah, I would say, yeah, first, you know, the humility part of it, the humility piece of it, like admitting and acknowledging that you're wrong. That's one. And I'd say, you know, seek for for help. Like people that, are, you know, there's a lot of organizations that will do these workshops and everything. Yeah, they're doing the workshops, but also don't go cheap on these people that are willing to come in and consult, you know. Pay, pay them for their time and, you know, get advice from them is because like you, you won't have the same experience as a person of color because your life is def- different than, than a person of color's life, right? Everyone's experience is different. So I'd say first acknowledge that you were wrong and humility is the big thing. And then humble, so, humble yourself enough to ask the experts that are in the field of hiring or whoever looking for these diverse pipelines or talents, right? And figure out a strategy and way how they would want to, how they would find the people of color. I mean, my network might be different than your network. So I think that in itself is that it's okay to ask for help and just admitting that you're wrong and move forward and find a way to strategize with that. You, you do a podcast called the Hot Seat Fireside Chat, right? Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So um, <laughs> for me, it's a big thing of being able to find, like, have people that are in positions that are 
are of influence, like an executive or a decision maker, or at least a senior uh, person, or um, you know people that have their own businesses and they have a following and everything. It's it's big for me to find out who these people are outside of just their profession. Like you, they can talk about their company, they can talk about their organization, but at the end of the day, a human being with X Y Z title is just a human being. And how long have you been doing the podcast? I'd say about a year. year. Uh, over a year? I don't know. I lost track of time, man. <laughs> it used to be in person, but it's now, um, yeah, all online for now. And you got Dr. Cheryl Ingram going to be a guest pretty soon, right? Uh, yeah, she is. She's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yes, uh, yes. So, so y'all going to have a great talk about diversity in that podcast. We're going to talk about diversity. We're going to talk about what she's up to and her mentorship and her companies, her organizations. She's doing a lot of big things. Like, yeah, I know she just, I think she just hired a CEO or something like that. Or Yeah, she has a, she has a black CEO that she has hired for diversity. And then she has Inclusology. Uh, she just closed funding for um, and then she also has a production company. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I did. Maybe I just forgot about it. Yeah. I know no, she's oh doing wow. do, like do a lot of filming and stuff. Mm-hmm. So she has that. Um, she has that. And she's back and forth in L.A. as well as Omaha. Yeah. Because that's where. I, I know she here up and got out of Seattle. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. That I. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she I know. said she, Seattle is the place for her. Yeah, she told me that too, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, a few times that I'm in L.A., sometimes I do come and see her when I have the chance to. We hang out. We're homies. We're friends. Um, She's definitely good people. She is good people. Um, yeah, I'm excited to have her there on the hot seat tomorrow because she just recently was featured also in Essence mm-hmm. and L.A., I think the L.A. Times, I think, for her business for Inclusology. Um, yeah, so she's 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 doing it. She's doing it. So how long is your podcast? It's usually an hour and a half. I'd say. An so hour you mean Hasi? You like you ask me like all these fast fire questions? Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> yes and no. Yes, of like questions of like oh stuff that is detached from their organization, mm-hmm. them as a human being, like strictly as a human being, right? So tomorrow we're going to find out about the real Dr. Cheryl Ingram. <laughs> yeah, that. She's always been real. Like, it, it is what it is. Like oh, yeah, when she's you definitely see, real, yeah. Yeah, she'll tell you how it is, and she will she does not shy from those conversations. And, you know, I admire her for that. It was because she's like, Yeah, I know one thing. She, she is no joke on social media, right? Oh, no. Like, like she's like, yeah, she doesn't. She, oh, I know. She, she gives no Fs. No, at all. Like, I was able to, when she was here, she had the interview with GeekWire, with Tom. I was actually with her. I, I drove her to GeekWire's office, and I was with her in that studio. And it was a good conversation. I got to find that podcast, and I'll post it up on my LinkedIn as well. But it was a good conversation that um, Tom and her yeah. had. She definitely calls people out. Like, oh, she, yes, what, she what, does. What, if you're not going to do the work, don't waste my time. I'm paraphrasing what she says all the time. <laughs> if you hire me, you're not going to do the work. You know, don't even waste my time. Something like that she says. Yeah, I mean, wh- you know, uh, why not? Why wouldn't you? I mean, I think that goes for any organization also is like, why would not, why wouldn't you get paid or anything for yeah. the work that you're going to be doing? I think that's that's the thing that I'm starting to see is like, okay, yeah, I can do this search for you. Now is like, but are you going to pay us? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I mean, I think we're we're at a point now with access to is like, yeah, 
you're wanting this. I'm like, okay. So pay up for X, Y, and Z. So talk about how you came up with the, the name the company came to be. Like, what's the, is there any meaning behind that? Mm, I'd say what, <laughs> so it used to be access to access L, uh, access net, but then it was moved to access and then the number two. So how we, came about that was like okay access to opportunity access to to the laborers access to the unions access to the academia and it, it's really how you want to fill in the blank is how we <laughs> really no pun intended right <laughs> access to opportunity <laughs> so i mean yeah i think that in itself do you have a specific industry you work with like uh, any kind of industry you focus on or all commerce so to speak um uh, no i i think we've you know have gone with tech companies we've gone with construction a lot right now a lot of construction companies within seattle um but i also have tech companies that come knocking on our door and we also have people that are looking for laborers uh and project managers um executives executive search is what we've kind of uh have gone in our lap um you know, we've worked with a nonprofit here in Seattle that we just hired their chief development officer. Um, and then we worked with a construction company <laughs> that we hired their director of IT. And then now we have another construction company we're working with is working with their PMs and their senior project executives. So so the construction companies, are you hiring the actual construction workers too or just a high level executive? Uh, both. So is there a difference when you're doing a hiring process for like, we'll say like, you know, white collar people versus blue collar people, so to speak? Uh, definitely a, a wide variety. Yes, I would say it's different, but it's also, I, that's where I lean on with um, Dre, who has the experience more in the industry of unions and labor, laborers. Um, that's where I'm learning from him because uh, as well as the unions, because I I never was exposed to that because I know my mom was in a union. She worked in healthcare uh, for 31 years at Swedish hospital. So that was a big thing. That was the only thing that I knew of unions, everything else. I'm like, Oh, teachers are unions. I never knew of uh, really. So I never have, yeah, they have the paper. They're probably the most powerful union in the world. Those <laughs> teacher unions. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, yeah, so I'm starting to get exposed to the different types of unions um, and the laws of hiring these <laughs> these different positions. Um, you know, we work with a lot of the uh, the Teamsters um, here in Tequila. So, yeah, a lot of that I'm I'm still trying to learn and wrap my mind around that. What's y'all's business model? Is like you know flat fee, contingency fee. Percentage yeah. up front, like what's the business model? Yeah, that's a good question. So with access to, we do, uh, you know, the contingency fee. We ha we have the flat fee. We also have the consulting fee up front sometimes, and then the rest is after finding the candidate that's placed. And does the candidate have to stay in the job a certain amount of days or months? Or you get your money, or do you have to give a refund if they quit after a certain number of days, or? Is once you place them, that's it. Uh, yeah, in certain organizations, yes. Um, but we also, you know, we're we're so um, invested in the whole process of like the candidate experience and the clientele experience is that after we hire these 
people that were, when I say hire, when I, when we place these people within their organization, the one thing that we do differently is we have the 30, 60, 90 rule. Like we talk, we, we continue to touch base with the candidate and have that relationship with them. We could, we continue to have relationships with their clientele within the last, the next 30, 60, 90 days of how their candidates are doing that are onboarded from us, you know? So I think that in itself is what I pride in ourselves in is because we really are embedded within the process in itself. Ruben, how do you vet your candidates? How do we vet them? Yeah. We have, obviously we have our questionnaires, but we also get to know them as a person, right? Because in order for a match to even happen, like, yeah, a person can check off all the boxes. What if they're like not even... What you're looking for, what it's not even the organization you're they're they're wanting to be in, right? Is that we get to know them first, right? We really, really get to know the candidates and really strip down all of whatever else that they might have in their resume. And then after that, we also talk to the clientele, what they're looking for. And I think having that an experience for both parties and having the expectations and conversations with the clientele of what they are looking or expecting and having the weekly check-ins, I think that's what helps us hold them accountable as well as us holding ourselves accountable when we do have these candidate placements. And So, so you've got the um, candidates and the, um, and the, and the customers, right? And the clients, yes. right? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so both. So next, um, who was your perfect customer? <laughs> That's a good question. Our perfect customer. Yeah. Obviously uh, one that pays a lot. Yeah, that's one. But we also, it's not just, we, I know for a fact, we don't just look at clientele just for opportunities of recruiting. Like, well, how else can we provide our service and values? It's like, one is how can we partner with you for an event? How can we partner with you in, you know, these certification programs or how can we, have you be part of the nonprofit? So the other thing that Access2 has is the YP Communities, which is a nonprofit. You know, we work with United Kingway uh, very heavily, our, one of our partners there. And so I think having those certain things in place in service of value is that this is, we, we offer more than just the recruitment services before outside of the payroll services. We have, we have the event planning experience you know i can think of a big one that we have coming up in august <laughs> that we have we <laughs> um you know it's the hbcu combine the three-on-three -three basketball tournament and the career fair in the auburn outlet collection in the field house you know we have these people that are coming here for this combine experience you know but we also have a lot of organizations coming up to uh, look for their candidates, you know, their candidate match and stuff. And we also have people coming for the basketball tournament. But also, while that is happening, you know, bring their resumes and figure out ways like how can we have that prep between the employer, like future employers and your future <laughs> employees. It's like us as Access who's being that liaison and coaching these people that are going to be coming through either whether they're participating in the three-on-three -three tournament also or the career fair like if they're looking for opportunities then yeah why not go there be a part of that and 
have a block party like you're giving your your backpack like backpack <laughs> giveaways like we did you know back then and so there's a lot that's going into this big event that we're doing here in August. And Noni, you're probably already planning it right now, aren't you? Oh yeah, we we've plan we were planning this since last year. Like we had all the pieces and everything. It's just now it's like go 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 go. <laughs> so really, you know, like a lot of people, you're you're very busy, right? Yeah. But talk about what you do to to instead of just being busy to being productive. Not everyone's busy. Very mm-hmm. few of us are productive. Mm-hmm. What steps do you do to make sure you're not you're not just busy, but you're actually being productive? Yeah, I've, I know what my sweet spots are. Like when I say sweet spots, I say time. Like I know what to- the most times I'm most productive. Um, and then I incorporate breaks <laughs> in there. You know, like I know I'm most productive from 10 a.m. till about 2.30 or 3. But within that time frame, I also incorporate maybe 20, 30 minutes of walking or away from screen time and hang out with my nieces, if anything, or just really walk by the water and give my myself a break there um, and then go back to work. But I also um, don't do any work after 9, 8 or 9. PM, right? Yeah. Uh, before, I just kept going. But I learned my lesson <laughs> big time. Um, and, you know, I think... Also, that I'm learning now with my my two co my two founders is that we all respect each other's boundaries. Unless there's an emergency, then okay. But other than that, we all respect each other's boundaries, um, and that I really appreciate both of them for. Because they're both, you know, they one's a new dad. Ahmad's a new dad. <laughs> Dre has two toddlers. Um, and you know they have their their families and everything too. And I I obviously I take care of my family also, right? I, I'm big on family. That's a big thing. That's what I I enjoy <laughs> is my being around my family. How do you do your calendar every day? Like, do you just wake up and you wing it, or like you do you like do you like do you, do you like do thirty minute space between each meetings? Like, how do you make sure you control your calendar and your calendar does not control you? Yeah, that used to be my thing. Oh my gosh, yes, that experience taught me a lot i would say i wake up around 5 36 a.m um i have to start my day in a very with a quiet mind otherwise my mind is all chaotic the the monkey mind takes over yeah (laughs) i'm like okay so i wake up early and i literally lay in bed probably about dr cheryl ingram also taught me this too because she's like you have to figure out a way to to meditate or control your thoughts um because there's just too many things that can go on that will get to you i was like okay so i started waking up like around 5 30 a.m 6 a.m and i just lay there for about 10 15 maybe 20 minutes at most and just zen out <laughs> literally lay there and just say my gratitude i'll wake up i'm not i'm gonna wake up i'll sit up i'll sit up and i'll i'll write out i write out a lot of my things and prioritize a lot of things that i needs to be done and then i'll do my my busy work from, I don't know, from nine to 11, I'll have my busy work sometimes, or I try to push all my front load, all my meetings in the morning. And then from 12 to three or 12 to four, that's when I do all my, my busy work or and, my calls. And, and, and do you work seven days a week? Are you taking? No, <laughs> I used to, <laughs> no, definitely no. Um, Tuesday to Thursday is definitely a lot of the work stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And then Mondays, uh, we do have a few meetings, but I have the whole week planned out. And then Fridays, we usually don't do meetings and we try to cut off everything by 12 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we all catch up, me, Dre, and Ahmad, figure out where we are with projects throughout the week, what needs to be done and what's pressing. Um, and then Saturday, sometimes I work a few hours, but the rest of Saturday, after like 12, I don't work after 12. If I don't work in the morning, then I work in the evenings, maybe about an hour, hour and a half at most. Sundays, for sure, I take off. Um, but in the evening time on Sundays, uh, I take <laughs> I take time for myself and decompress, and then I prep for my week. So it's you and your two co-founders. Does anyone else work for the company? For us, it's two of us, uh, all three of us, um, and right now we're in the process of onboarding someone to help all of us. So talk about your hiring process for this person. Like, how did you bring this person on? What's your own internal hiring process? Yeah, so obviously we have the, we yeah, we have the job description, you know, the job description, the, the very casual interview, <laughs> very, you know, trying to get where their head's at and make sure that, you know, it's aligned with our mission or our vision, right, with uh, the company because a person can come in and do the job. That's great. But a person that has the vision and the patience, the re resiliency, and seeing where this can go, that's very important to all three of us is, like, be able to have the process there but also take it your own and how do you make it work in your own sense. We don't expect you to have it X, Y, and Z way. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, like a cookie cutter. Way. Cause it's not, it's really not like that. Like, yeah, I can give you all the processes, but how you land these candidates or how you land these clientele is different than how I would get landed mm -hmm. and how Jerry and Ahmad would land it. Right. Everyone has their process, but at the same time, it's like, can you produce the results and what the expectations are? And at minimum, what can you do? Like, right. So I think within that, process of us interviewing internally we have our expectations of like oh this person has this oh this person you know is willing to to learn this you know like you can learn recruiting all you want but are you going to have that drive and that sense of purpose of helping a person's life you know because i think success is when you're able to have a plant seeded in a person's mind and you see them with that seed that has been planted by you and having them soar and see where they have started and how much they grow shoot me and that to me is already <laughs> success is like you're able to see what you've the impact you know i think all three of us why we get along so very well and so compassionate like very compassionate about this organization is because we want to see how much impact we can do with the next generation. Organizations come in all the time. They they ask us, oh, we need to recruit younger. I'm like, you know, that's that that's our niche as access to is like, yeah, it, even the level playing field. And that's where sports comes in. That's how our niche comes in is right. It's like, yeah, you have your sporting events. But wait you have people that are coming in that will also be able to help with the recruiting process and, you know, making sure your resume is up to date and having, having things like the whole experience there. And that plays into your, like what you like to do, like the high school mentoring, the college mm -hmm. mentoring that plays into all of that too. Yeah. I've always 
enjoyed uh, being able to mentor people that uh, that either are younger than me or I enjoy mentoring people that are older than me. You know, they, they ask me things and I'm like, shoot, if I can be a sponge and learn from you, how can I? Yeah, like I, I, I like to listen. You know, you really, really listen and really find out, find the answers that you are looking for is when you're listening to people. So, Ruben, you already talked about the sun, but go to more detail about your own entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey. Mm. <laughs> How it came about. Um, so I was like, you know, I had this fire inside of me. I'm like, okay, how, what would it be like to run an organization, you know, and have it your own? Because at this point where I was at leaving an organization at that time, I've seen how a business operates. I've seen like, oh, how I put it, how I how I learned this is because I used to work at a dealership, a Honda and Toyota dealership, Miller Nicholson uh, organization owned. And I want like I've always been customer facing. You know, I got you got along with people and, you know, you want to be greeted by a friendly person not a person yeah. that's not gonna smile and i'm like okay cool i only work there during the weekends and um you know i i asked my manager at the time i was like hey is there a way i can uh just go into the office just to see what it's like after buying a car what like after because i've seen the whole experience of buying a car and everything then you go into the office there's a whole machine that's operating <laughs> after that car is sold and, you know, it goes to finance. Okay, what happens to finance? Then it has to go to the registration. Then, okay, then it goes to accounts payables and account receivables. Then you have people that are, like, reaching for money or they have to process the whole paperwork and stuff, you know. You see the whole operations. And my manager at the time, he just, she was like, okay, but I don't have anything that you can sit at the desk. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I was, she was like, do you mind filing? I was like, no, I don't. And, like, I just wanted to be exposed to it. And that's how I was like, shoot, this is easy. Not really. But, like, you know, in a way where it's like that's where it comes down to, again, like, I can see the results. You know, once I saw the results of, like, this is the machine behind the results of selling a car, then, okay, how do we do this? The blueprints is the same. It's the same steps, right? If you're starting a business, you get your business license, you have this, you need your basic functions, you need your HR, you need your finance, you need to be able to protect yourself legally and everything. And I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I have a business degree, but I also am not an expert in all of that. And that's where I was seeking out people that knew more stuff in that field because I knew overall I, I, I had the bigger picture in mind. And I just knew how to put the pieces together. And I think in that sense where I was able to have the executive account, uh, yeah, executive assistant background, and I got to meet people who I needed to meet, you know, the, you have your decision makers, and I'm like, oh, they're just human beings, you know. And then I have that, and then you have the people that are wanting to your service, then I'm like, okay, so you have your customers. Take care of your customers. The customers will take care of you. Right. And this part of it where I started growing more and more in that sense or was like the experience of customer service and all this, it was more in the candidate experience. How do we give these candidates the experience that they won't forget or as well as the clientele experience? Right. And I'm like, oh, it's the same blueprint. 
except now you're really dealing with human <laughs> beings, you know. And I think um, that me working with recruiters and me being ghosted by recruiters and all that, I didn't want that to happen with candidates because I knew the experience of what it was like not to get a return call or when you're chasing people. And I was able to emphasize, uh, emphasize, <laughs> empathize that experience with them. Like I can, I know what it's like. And so, you know, you try and give them the experience that you can, the best that you can. The same thing with the clientele part. So can you talk about this? How like so many people don't realize that no one really knows what they're doing right. And we're still trying to figure this mess out right. <laughs> like people like fake the fine, know what I'm doing. Like, no, you don't. Like, you know, they talk about daunting, right? Or trying to figure stuff out. Like everyone's like still figuring stuff out, right? And yeah. I, I think the sooner you realize that, the more people realize that, the better the plate the world would be, I think. Oh my goodness, yes. No one not everyone knows what they're doing at all. Everyone is learning at some point, regardless of where they are going in their journey of either starting their business or their job search, there's always something to learn. If you're willing to learn and be coachable and willing to be open to new experiences, you know, then the easier it will be. Because I think once you have that set expectation, like, oh, I only want this, I only want this title, or I only want this X, Y, and Z, how come this is, every organization is going to be different with that same title. How they do things is going to be different than the other organization you had a part of, you were a part of. And I think the key to that is you brought it up. You you just hit it in the nail is that not everyone knows what they're doing. They may look like they know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. Like, you know, but, you know, you, you kind of have to figure out a way to continue to learn. Because once you have your toolbox and you learn specific things, and you're stuck in your own ways, then that's when you stop growing. I think you have to continue to grow as an individual, but also an organization. But before that even happens is that you as a person have to accept that there will always be growth moments within your stepping stone. Yeah, people see like, oh, you've made it, you're doing it. I was like, yeah, but there's always a learning. There's always something to learn whether it's from you, whether it's from Dre and Ahmad, or whoever you're working with consistently, there's always something to learn. You know, one thing is like the people who do know what they're doing, like they have big time imposter syndrome, right? Because it's an example I use, I talk about some other podcasts, like Suni Lee, you know, she won the gold medal. She's, you know, does the Mexico in, in uh, Auburn University. Yeah. She, was, she did, a, I saw a story where she said that right after she won the gold medal, she had imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like, uh, she, she had it because, you know, someone, someone boss didn't participate. So her mind, she only got the gold medal because someone boss didn't participate. And the first, like, but even that's the case, you still won the silver. Yeah. And, but she didn't have, but her mind, like, you know, in syndrome, and people like us, like, you won the freaking gold medal. Yeah. Of Olympics. Like, overall, like, number one gold medal in the gymnastics you won. Yeah. You have imposter syndrome. Like, what, what hope does anyone else have, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think what happens is that, Everyone's a human being, regardless of what your profession is or whatever it is. I think we always put people on a pedestal. You know, I got to meet, yeah, Meta, Meta World Peace. He's cool. Yeah, but it's also at the uh, end uh, of the uh, day. Unless, unless, he's, unless they're playing the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure out that one. <laughs> but, you know, I think uh, we put people on a pedestal and people forget 
people are human beings also. First and foremost, people have emotions. I think, who's that quarterback that just passed away, for, I think, from... Dwayne Haskins, yeah, hit on the highway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that in itself, and it's like, people forget that people are human beings. I mean, regardless of whatever you do. That's what I say, is that I don't care if I get to meet these people, you know, because you strip off everything that they're doing. They're human beings. They have a heart that's beating like yours and mine. They have emotions like you and I do, but they also figure out a way to master these emotions and your thoughts. And that's why you have your coaches. I have, yeah, I have, a, <laughs> I have mentors in my corner. I have my business coaches. I have my executive coaches, but I also now have started seeing a therapist. I think there, there are things that are very real in a person's life that makes them really human and not just what they are doing their day to day. So you bring a point, like as an entrepreneur, small business owner, you need you know advise you need culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like some like some like some, I mean I seem like I get like these ten thousand emails on LinkedIn message from coaches, right? I want to be a coach. Like who are you, right? And a lot of them don't give the best advice. What advice do you have to entrepreneurs or startup people or small business owners yeah. to find the right coach, right whatever mentor for them, right? And how to like kind of like go through all the noise that's out there. Yeah, I think can you be this fr- person's friend? That's I think can you can they see you for who you are as a person and not just your profession and what you do in guiding of life and everything can this person really be that guidance or that voice in your your head um yeah I think that when people are trying to get in <laughs> yeah like you said people are trying to trying to get to you getting this and it's the same pitch and everything else what really gets to me i'm going to talk about my advice my my experience and my advice when people are trying to get me to respond to them is that i'm like how how are you different than other people when you're trying to give me these advice and like can you give me an example can you figure out a way that humanizes these experiences you know like because it gets so blended with the noise because everyone's trying to get something or you know you're opportunistic or whatever it is is that really you really get to know the person it's like dating <laughs> i think so <laughs> i i'd say dating like finding the right therapist for you i think is is you really have to get to know them really and if it's the right fit for you or it's the right fit for them i think is it comes down to can you really have a professional relationship with this person that's going to be guiding you through experiences or talking you through certain things so that's my advice is being able to to see this person as a guide, but also can you see this person as a friend? Will this person be there long-term? Are you able to see this person long-term? That's for, from my experience. Ruben, so you already talked about your company some, but can, can you go into more detail about how the company got started? What y'all focus on right now and what the big picture vision is for the company moving forward? Yeah, and that's a great question. So I think um, how we all started, you know, I, I touched on it a little bit where Dre came uh, looking for a team at one point. This is where I was, at another organization, I took my pen and paper and he was talking about everything that he was talking about with the sports, the recruitment and the youth and, you know, recruiting younger, right? And I'm like, huh, 
that's an interesting. I was like, you, me and my educational background, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. You know, like, yeah, if you're wanting to recruit younger, you have to be able to find a way to connect with them, have a bridge. And I think that started it off already where it's like, okay, you have a league that's happening, basketball leagues, any kind of sporting leagues we can have, right? And then surround them with the opportunity. And when I say opportunity, I say you have we have so many companies here in Seattle. Well, how come they're not down in like Kent or down south or anything? Uh, I, I, I can tell you why. Because most people in Seattle, they think anything south of the airport is Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> that, but I'm saying is that you're wanting untapped talent. That's where your untapped talent yeah. is. And like, okay, well, that's where it comes down to again. There's like, you got to meet people where they are. You and, and can't I, have it there. Yeah. Our resources down here in Seattle is way different than the one and, and in, down has, south. Como has like four or five colors in the area, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's just very different. When it comes down to the resources, you know, like it's different because I see where it's getting allocated. We see the east side that is getting more than what's happening down south. And then these companies are always asking, where can we get these talent that is not there? I was like, dude, you're not looking. You're not looking because you're stuck in your ways where you're wanting. And so if anyway, so you got me, got me. Whew. Okay, let's go. I go. So how, that's how we started. Dre came. I, you know, was taking notes, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'm all in." After I left this old, old organization, I was at, uh, and I was trying to figure out what the hell was my next thing to do. And I was like, "Okay, Dre, this is, you know." I talked to him. I was like, "This is what I, I would like," and he's like, "Okay," and we agreed to it. And we started figuring out, like, we had everything there, and then that's when Ahmad came in. It was because you know we had to pivot virtually and that's where yp communities came in right and so i was like okay that's where we all wanted to go all in with the staffing part is because that specific like his pipeline and his community he has built yp has built was continuously asking for a uh, a firm an agency firm to do staffing agency oh can you find me candidates and that's where access to came so it really started with the event planning part of the leagues of like basketball leagues we've done you know ping pong we've done so we were going we were supposed to do something with soccer then covid hit right but being able to combine career fairs and sporting events and then that way figuring out your pipeline your pipeline's getting younger so you have that's where you're looking you're looking for high schools and up right and so how do we do that is that yeah sporting events and leagues in itself and essentially removing the four for four traditional interview rooms and really seeing what it's like to to see this person without seeing their resume first mm -hmm. and i think that in itself is is where we are as a niche as access to is that being able to have these sporting events, but yet you have these people that are recruiting for their company find talent. I would say a hard number is that when we did our first event was that we were able to source 20 people, 17 into, you know, unions, labors, uh, USPS and all that. And then the others were in tech. They were able to get uh, interviews with tech companies that were presently there so i think rem being able to think outside the box and being creative with 
what was <laughs> in the interview process and candidate pipelines outside of just social media? How do you make it work? Is is that you got to really meet people where they're at? Do you think the resume will ever go away? I don't think necessarily. I think that a lot of companies, what I'm seeing is that they're doing research now on these candidates online. Like I think digital resumes being a big thing. I think really, uh, we talked about this. Um, my team and I was that the the video interview was <laughs> a big thing until you see these platforms utilizing these videos as as an interview part of their interview process and I think that's a big thing and I think the next wave I think AI is coming <laughs> it has been coming you know I think will be utilized in the interview process as well so Ruben you talk about having a fire why do some people have this so-called fire and some people don't is it just genetic personal drive like why do some people have it so to speak and some people don't I really think it comes down to you as a person if you want uh, I've always told this to myself. Uh, there are times that I do doubt myself. You know, I mean, who doesn't, right? But you really have to overcome that doubt and fear within yourself. And um, if you want it bad enough, you make you make it work. Whether whatever it whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you got to make it work if you really want to see it through. And so, how often do you go to the gym? <laughs> I go, I try to go three or four times a week because it helps me mentally. Um, yeah, do you just have like a regular workout you do? You switch it up all the time? or I love cardio. I hate weights. <laughs> but, you know, I think my accident, um, since my accident about two years ago now, I'm still recovering from that. Uh, definitely have been careful with my shoulder and my lower left back. My lower left back and my sh left shoulder was the ones that got impacted. So I'm... I just got back into the routine of things, uh, more so in cardio. I love doing cardio. I like to run, run and speed walk, but really being outside is, is helpful. So Nice. Um, so, Ruben, is there anything I, I should ask you that I didn't or anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, our big event. Our big, big event, I think, is the big one that yet the Pacific Northwest has to see is, uh, you know, HBCUs don't really come up here. And I think the... The basketball, I think Seattle's big in basketball as well. Talent, Seattle basketball is huge. I miss our Sonics. I would say, um, you know, saving the date here on August 5th and 6th is big. It, you know, we have the combine, the three-on-three -three tournament, as well as the career fair. A lot of them are coming here. We have the, the training coach of the New York Knicks flying out here to do the combine. Um, with the HBCUs, um, and then we have companies from all over that will be part of this. Um, I would say, yeah, candidate and then uh, registration for the three-on-three -three tournament is also up as well. Um, so I think that's a big thing that we are working on as a company. <laughs> is that yes, while that was ha while that's happening, we're also working with our clientele to recruit as well. We're, we're, we are recruiting roles, <laughs> roles while we're doing this event. So Ruben, I forgot to ask you this during the pre-talk, mm. but do you have any kind of discounted gift you want to give away? Some people do, some people don't. You mean by, like discounted gift? Like, as in like... Like 20% off something, a free consultation or... Yeah, I, yeah, for, well, I'll get back to you on that one because okay. I haven't thought about that because I was like, wait, what am I doing? Yeah. 
Uh, if it was me, yes, but you know, I have my, I don't want to make decisions no, without fine. my business partners here. Yeah. That's fine. And can you share your social media links for yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Yeah. So on LinkedIn is Rublin Chu, you know, uh, R-U-B-E-L-Y-N-C-H-U and Twitter, same thing at Rublin Chu. Um, and then for Instagram, uh, it's uh, underscore access and then underscore two and then another underscore on Instagram. Um, same thing with Twitter. So if you find me, you'll find all my social media links going back to our organization here. So, And to our listeners, we have the links to her gifts she's going to give us in the future. And her social media links on the show notes. You can find the show notes at www.cavernishrblog.com. Be sure to share, share this episode with your friends, your network. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Jason Cavins' experience. So, Ruben, can come to the end of our talk? Uh, can you provide us any last-minute wisdom on, or advice or anything you want to talk about? Yes. Um, the biggest thing for me is um, if there's something, just continue to stay curious. That's one. Don't ever stay stagnant into into one thing or get stuck in your own ways. Um, two, if there's something you want to pursue and it's really within you have the courage to pursue what you want to do if you don't know what it is yet keep going and you'll find it i promise you it'll be worth it we want to thank you for your time today really appreciate it thank you for having me and to our listeners thank you for your time as well remember to be great every day thank you for listening to this episode of the jason kavnis experience be sure to connect with us across social media at kavnis hr thank you and remember to be great every day You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know?